Welcome to the Strategy Sherpa Show, a series of organic discussions between hosts David Chavez and a variety of notable business leaders centered around their most significant failures and how they handled those challenges so listeners can learn from their most teachable moments and apply the lessons to their organizations. Now, here's your host, David Chavez. Hey, everybody, uh, this is David Chavez, the Strategy Sherpa, and boy, do I have a great guest for you. Um, I have the my second client I worked with uh, when I started doing Scaling Up Coaching, and um, he's here today. He sold this company during COVID, uh, actually, too. His name is Ryan McDougall. Um, he owned a company called Ice Occasions, and then also he ended up having a company um, he called Premier Ice. Was it, What was the uh, public name for it? Premium Ice. Premium Ice. That's right. Premium Ice. And sorry, sorry I forgot about that. Um, and um, so we're going to have an exciting conversation um, about what 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 he was what he um, was challenged with growing his company and scaling it to the level he did before he sold it off. And um, let, let's just start off, Ryan. Why, why don't you do a little introduction of yourself and what you know, how you ended up in uh, starting Ice Occasions and then Premier Ice. So, premium Ice. Premium Ice. Premium Ice. Premium I, 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 I want to say Premier, but <laughs> sorry about that. Premium maybe, Ice. Maybe that was the mistake. I, cha- I I put the wrong name on the business, right? So, <laughs> yeah. So right. Um, my name is Ryan McDougall. Um, I... Uh, I started a company here in Las Vegas called Ice Occasions in 1997, moved down from Canada, uh, didn't know a single person, um, moved down to start a business making ice sculptures originally from molds is kind of where we had started, Um, and uh, moved to a town that uh, I had no street cred in whatsoever, didn't know a single person, so I mean, what could could go wrong in that situation, right? So... (laughs) So we moved down in 1997, started that company. Um, you know, Vegas was, I guess, a little bit before the real big boom that they had gone through. Um, you know, it was pre the Mandalay Bay, pre Bellagio, those kind of things, right? And um, started the ice carving company. Uh, we sold ice sculptures to the hotels, casinos, weddings, etc. Oh, and, the, the, and then some uh, interesting trivia there. Um, they were on TV sometimes too, weren't they? We did it. We, you were part of it. We we yep. did a pilot for a, uh, a reality show. Um, don't actually remember what they tagged it with the name, but uh, went to the Food Network. Uh, we went to your friend's place where we did the uh, the, the you know the the employee indoor party. Go-karting. Yeah, employee party where we did the indoor uh, go karting and uh, and such. Uh, yeah. Some fun times. We did movie premieres for the sculpture thing. We did triple X movie premiere in Hollywood. We've done the Playboy Mansion. You know, a lot of uh, interesting events that we did over, you know, over the many years uh, for that company or, you know, with that company and in different events in Las Vegas and, and outside. Right. So we did uh, Super Bowl in Jacksonville in whatever year that was. We did Super Bowl as well in San Diego. We were uh, you know, part of many movie premieres and different uh, casino launches and grand openings, et cetera, here in, you know, here in Las Vegas and a little bit of, you know, national type of situations too, right? Uh, you know, we did stuff back to Nashville, 
uh, different parts of the country, different events people dragged us to, whatnot. Um, usually around, uh, centered around the liquor companies, a little bit of their promotion and, and activation marketing. And then in and, about... And the, there, was, there was a couple others too. I think you did the Winter Olympics up in Windsor one year. No, so we're not supposed to talk about that, David. That's where the, the many years of uh, the therapy has got me cleared of that, right? Yeah, so we, <laughs> we did the 2010 uh, Winter Olympics in, uh, in, in, back in my home country in Canada. And uh, we built an ice lounge on the, uh, on the back deck of a uh, fellow's restaurant, just straight across from where they would pre uh, present the medals in Vancouver. And then we also built a lounge at the, the base of uh, one of the runs in Whistler. But uh, yeah, that, those were interesting stories. We could do a whole series of shows, I believe, on some of those escapades that we and went through. That, that, um, then Hell, Hell's Kitchen, too. Yeah, Hell's Kitchen, et cetera, right? So yeah, yeah. that's basically wow. where you had come on, too, in, in 20, 2009-10, coming out of the economic crash, right? So, um, you know, we were... We, we had a very viable business going into that economic crash. And then literally overnight, the, 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 the faucet turned off and we had no more income coming in. Basically, we were not, um, how would you say, we were not really the favorite child of, you know, people spending money because we had a lot of wow factor built into us, right? People, people spent a little bit of money and got a lot of wow impact from it. People thought, you know, wow, what a, what a, you know, what a great, uh, piece that you know you, you you purchase for this party this high-end event and then in 2000 you know eight nine and during the economic crash that went the wrong direction people you know weren't spending a ton of money but they they people thought they were so in the case of fiscal responsibility we we were in a bit of a pickle and so you know the faucet turned off the income stream you know basically literally almost stopped and once again, we realized that maybe we weren't quite as diversified as we need to be. So in 2010-ish, 11-ish, that's where we started premium ice. Premium ice, put that on your computer, David. Premium yeah, ice. Premium so, ice. And that <laughs> was centered around that was centered around the uh the, the you know the the mixology movement that happened coming out of the 2000 and uh you know, nine and ten when people started to reevaluate where they were spending money and how they were uh out you know outside dining and their you know their 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 own home experiences and outside experiences and we saw a movement to mixology that went back to you know earlier years where it was craft cocktails and all the things so we saw an opportunity to you know to get into that space and um you know diversify our product line and and have other income stream options you know for that um, open up our customer base a little bit too right because we waited for the customer to come to las vegas and have a party so IBM, John Deere, you know, you name it, come to Las Vegas and they're going to have a convention. We waited for those guys to come and, you know, come and give us a phone call. And sometimes the turnaround times on those was not paramount. So this, this, this provided a little different um, manufacturing option, and, I guess. And just so everybody knows, what you were actually manufacturing is you, you created a system to manufacture ice balls. <laughs> Clear yeah, ice balls that yeah. go inside of um, um, drinks. So yeah, balls and cubes, right? So then you know, then we had a different scenario. We had different customer base. We had a broader customer base, and it, it, it allowed us to be able to export a little easier, and you know, and even scale, right? Because if you're trying to hang an ice carving from an entrance of a ballroom in the you know the Hilton or the Bellagio Las Vegas. There's a lot of moving parts in that situation, and uh, 
we also in uh what well, i guess it would have been nine and t- 2008 2009 somewhere in there we we broke the guinness book of world records for the world's tallest ice carving where uh for 20th century fox we built the the scrat movie character um basically in a back lot skating rink area of uh, a place in uh uh was it huntington beach it was uh one of the beaches in California. Anyway, that's therapy that tried to get me to uh, remove that memory from my brain too, because that might have been one of the hardest things we ever did, right? So yeah, I remember. I remember when you did it. It was it was a couple of weeks of working, probably fourteen to twenty hours a day. I just remember you were like uh, super exhausted, and um, it, it just, put me in the hospital. It actually ended up putting me in the hospital after for. Uh, I, re- I remember <laughs> for a fake heart attack. I think which was which was really dressed under. So let's have some rest, right? So. Uh, yeah, so that that business was really hard to scale. So the other one, you know, so the premium ice gave us a little bit of diversity as well as uh, better scalability in, in that situation. So, so yeah, so that's uh, that's a bit so, about so, my background so, history. Yeah, so one of the first things that you were doing when you were um, you had um, taken over and bought your partner out when the crash in two thousand eight happened you um because of the revenue not coming in he wanted to get out and go do something else because he didn't he didn't have a vision of the time frame you wanted to take the business and really make it and and you had some ideas for scaling like with the premium ice product which is the ice balls and ice cubes and so you bought him out so you could you could go and do the things that you wanted to do and you weren't bound by that agreement anymore so the, so that was a, a one of the challenges that you had and then and then what what other challenges have you had in, in ice uh, occasion or premium ice as you were trying to scale and grow them yeah so definitely that was a definitely a peril that was not probably part of the plan um you know our my past uh partner decided and, you know, to, to be fair, he wanted to go back and spend some time with his, you know, his parents, you know, in, in their latter years. But I think that was also predicated by the fact that things got really tough. And so, um, yeah, there was no pre-planning in that. So that was a little bit of a failure. I think one of the bigger failures that we had within, you know, within the systems of what we did is, and you say this a lot, right? You don't know what you don't know. And when you start out as a, you know, one man show and, you know, start to grow that into something, we didn't have a real sales channel, right? So when when 9-11 happened and the faucet turned off and when the economic crash happened and the faucet turned off, we didn't really have a really good sales channel. Like we, our, our motto was answer the phone, show up on time, you know, do what they said that, you know, present the customer with exactly what they had asked for and, and don't give them any stress. But outside of that, we didn't have a real structured, you know, sales program per se, right? We had contacts and and um, relationships within, you know, the majority of all the casinos and, and places, but we didn't have a formal sales channel to go out and, and, and actually drive and push the sales. Like if, if CES was not coming or Magic Show was not coming back in those days, we didn't have that. And, and even driving into that, we didn't have like, you know, we didn't go and present John Deere with an opportunity to come out and, and uh, you know, do a program or something. Right. People found us and, you know, we executed. We didn't have a formal, formal sales channel. So especially going into the economic crash when when those situations happen, we sales dried up very quickly. And so we, we were left scrambling, trying to, you know, push revenue through the business. 
um, you know, and keep the keep the doors open, if you will, per se, by just the luck of the phone ringing or, you know, relationships that we had, you know, from the past sales or repeat business, right? So, yes. So I, I see this with a lot of manufacturers, especially specialty manufacturers like yourself, um, that they they um, concentrate on delivering excellence in the product, which is not a bad thing at all. Um, and that's how you built your relationship is delivering ex- um, excellence through the product. But, but um, you, you, w- when you and I were talking about you coming on the phone, I think one of the biggest things you said that probably challenged you the most is, is that you never really developed the sales and marketing parts of the business the way you probably should have. Um, and, and, and what we'll do is, um, we're getting ready to head into a break in just a few minutes. So when we get over into that break, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the sales issues, but I wanted to bring up to everybody that, um, you know, assured strategy, we at assured strategy where, uh, um, the, my company, we have, uh, several webinars and some are live, some are on the, uh, uh over, uh, they are webinars and some are live web web workshops i'm having trouble speaking today i I don't know what's going on um so the first one we have is um thursday the 17th of august we have how to boost your productivity um to eliminate some workplace conflict that goes on and how you could go about um, increasing your productivity and on september the 7th we have a metronomics workshop that's a live workshop in portland oregon and uh metronomics sort of sits on top of scaling up um it uses scaling up as the foundation but it sits on top of it and it's a little bit more of an engineering approach to scaling up and then the next thing is is um on um september 14th we have how to grow your business with five proven tools um, so what, what we're doing is sharing some of our tools with you so you can get a little bit better understanding. But we're going to go ahead and take a break, Ryan, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit about your sales. And uh, thank you for coming this morning and we'll see you in just a few moments. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Velato. Our vision at Velato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our jet share program that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all the the revenue that that plane generates. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. 
Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show. We have Ryan McDougal with premium ice and ice occasions and i say it that way because i kept on getting the name wrong at the beginning even though i was involved with the company since its inception so um so ron we were talking a little bit about sales and growing a sales force uh, um and i think a little bit of it um so one of the mistakes that you that you brought up to me when we talked about you being on the show here was that I never really developed a sales and marketing force that I probably should have. And I'll let you take it from there and just talk a little bit about why that was a potential problem. Yeah. So I think early on we, you know, we, we, we went out, we tried to get customers, we tried to sell the product. Right. And we, as you always say, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so, um, you know, we went out and we got an order and we executed on the order and that led to another order. And we just took that model. And as people, as Las Vegas grew from, you know, 1997, 1998, uh, you know, through, right. So, you know, all the people moved positions on the strip, elevated their positions. So, you know, just a generic, um, uh, food and beverage, you know, manager, if you will, within a property moved from somewhere to somewhere to somewhere. And they, they took us with us. Right. So, you know, we felt that um, we were moving. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one, one of the things I always noticed about you when, when, I, when I came into your company is, is that you were very conscious of what the customer's needs were and you, you made sure you met those expectations the best that you possibly could all the time. And I think that that's why people really, why your name really took off and why um, ice occasions really took off is because they could always trust that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And you built your business really off of that, which created a lot of activity for you. Your phone rang because of that. Oh yeah, hundred percent. They had no, they they really had no problem knowing that with you know just a little bit of information and and whatnot that they would give to us that we would deliver on our on our promise, right? Like they knew if I said I was going to be at X Y Z property on you know five o'clock on a Saturday, whether it was me or a staff member, we were there, right? So right. you know they had they had no lack of confidence that that was going to be the case. In fact, early on. We had situations where we were we were told uh, an event was starting at an earlier time than it really was. We'd show up to an empty ballroom because in the past, when when a, when their customer had asked them for you know this kind of product for a seafood station, whatever it was, they were concerned because the, the prior people you know doing a little bit of business in this space, they were they didn't own a wristwatch, right? So they would they would not show up on time. So I remember specifically one time we you know I showed up in the ballroom at the Four Seasons. And for a three o'clock party, and I didn't ask questions. They they said, "Hey, you need to be there at three o'clock." I didn't ask why or not. Right? I showed up. The ballroom was empty, and I phoned my contact and I said, um, "Hey, uh, I'm here in the ballroom. Did I get the you know the letter wrong? Am I am, am I in? Did you say B or D?" And uh, the ballroom's empty. And they said, "Oh my gosh, why are you here so early?" And I said, "Well, that's the time you told me to show up." 
And they said, oh, my gosh, I, I lied to you a little bit by a couple hours because our previous, you know, supplier was always late. So I had to lie to them and, and have them show up on time. Right. So, you know, there's a little bit of a mistake, too. We didn't really have structure. Right. So we didn't have, you know, a, a concrete ordering system and, and all those things. Right. So when you talk about scaling a business and scaling up and, you know, building a business, those were mistakes that we replicated. Right. We went to the second business and we, you know, we didn't have some of those um concrete systems in place right and you, you speak about that a lot in in your work with us that you like as you get to different levels of business your you know your systems and your your policies and your systems they they have to change as you get larger and larger business and more and more people i remember the day you know we met and i was having a lot of problems within my business and you were speaking at um at a convention i think we maybe even kind of partly put on and the SBA brought you in and you said, when you get to a, and when you get to 10 to 12 employees within your business, like it dramatically changes. And I had hair back then, but I was pulling it out because I was like, Oh my gosh, he's speaking directly to me because that's exactly what's on. Like one or two people you can direct, you know, you can direct and control all the time with communication and, you know, over communication and a lot of touch points. But when you start getting to, you know, people you can't see and touch every single day, the, you know, the systems break down and, and that was the thing, right? So, so not having those systems set up and then in place, you know, you, you think you're doing a good job, which you probably are from an execution standpoint, but when you try and grow another business or get to another level, that's the thing. So that's another mistake that we had, you know, kind of within, you know, a business as an entrepreneur was our, our advisors, our, our board, our sounding people, our mentors, um, didn't have, I didn't have that, right? So, I'd had people come through. That was a, that was one of the points where my partner, you know, kind of had probably decided that he had had enough too is because we're having problems in our business and some of it was specifically with the partner at some level. Right. And we had consultants come in and spend, you know, spend a lot of money actually on some of the stuff, but they didn't want to fix the execution and the day to day problems. They wanted to work on other things. And that, you know, that was a mistake. Right. And so, you know, I remember specifically telling you like, you need to come help me fix my business because when we hit the economic crash, like the faucet turned off, right? Our income stopped. And so we had to, we had to pivot, right? We had to cut costs and, and do different things to keep the business alive. But I also knew that, you know, when, when the economy came back from the problem, the perils that we were in, our business wasn't broken. The, the everything outside of us was broken. We had to stay alive to get to the next, you know, part of the journey. But I also knew that we, you know, we, we cut our staff in half, but I also knew that when that came back, we were going to be hit with a tidal wave that was probably going to be more detrimental than a lack of cash flow issue because we're going to be overwhelmed with, with, you know, too much opportunity and we, you know, we could drown within that. Right. And I, I specifically remember even talking to that point at some level in the, um, in the pilot for the reality show, I'm like, Yes, when business comes back to here to Las Vegas, we're going to be crushed because so much has happened. And and that kind of did, right? In 2010 or 11, whenever it was, whenever Aria opened, in the last quarter of the year, we were going into the we were going into that year and we were definitely having a down year. We ended up having a great year, but we did all our business in the last quarter. In the last quarter of the year, I slept more nights at the shop than I did at my house, and I had a. I remember that you put a you put a couch in your office, actually. Yeah, I had a two or three year old, you know, daughter that I adored, and and you know, from you know the last quarter of the year, 
because December was a big, big, big business part for us, right? But you know, with right. Aria opening and these grand openings happening, that was a thing. So we didn't know what we didn't know, right? And so not having good advisors, not having a good sounding board, not having a good mentor to bounce things off of and say, hey, you know, somebody to watch for the potholes in in, in the road that you're driving, that was definitely a you know a mistake, right? We had again sort of the sales yeah. camp, right? I remember one of the things that, that you're talking about now because um, we that when you started getting busy when Aria came online um, and because it added another huge casino into the mix and I remember one of the things that we discovered is I think you had you you grew blocks of ice you actually um, that's how you did your carvings and everything for the ice sculptures and it took you about three days to grow a block of ice. And I think that quarter when everything got busy, because of the lack of processes and because of the lack of things that uh, an organized approach to things, you had lost 37 blocks of ice to breakage because you had to, you guys actually had to use engine jacks to get the our engine um, lifts to get the blocks of ice out of the freezer because they're pretty big and they weigh a ton of weigh a ton. And we, and we realized that, that the processes weren't written anywhere. And a lot of your guys weren't very educated that worked there. And so you actually created your processes on video so everyone could see. And then we started concentrating on how many of those got broken every, every quarter. Well, you're hundred percent right. That was, that was one of the first exercises we did because that was our, our own raw material. We created our own raw material. And we use that to, you know, for opportunity, right? And so if we had access, we had opportunity to sell. If we didn't have access, we were either trying to buy it or, or rob Peter to pay Paul and get it going. And what happened, truthfully, was when we weaned down, we, we scaled, when we had to shrink uh, from a labor force, you know, and, and, you know, I worked definitely, I worked in the business. I wasn't working on the business. I was working in the business. And and when we when we went down to that in the economic crash, then, you know, nobody does it better than yourself. Right. But as you bring people on and I remember the day I we were overwhelmed and I told my wife, my wife worked with us in the business and I said, go get me some bodies. And so they literally did like friends, neighbors, relatives, whatever it was. We got bodies, right? And we we didn't hire for culture or anything. If you had a heartbeat, and you could show up and mostly on time. We hired those people. And so. Yes, we didn't have any policies. We barely had any training, at, you know, to some level, aside from, you know, not being unsafe. But, yeah, we, we lost opportunity. And so one of the first exercises that we did with you was, was um, you know, related getting, to making sure we could make enough raw material to propel our business because we were losing opportunity from broken or people wouldn't put the pumps in the machine to start. It was it was it was. It was policies, right? It was the procedures right. and policies, and that right. you know that was the thing, right? But that comes well, back to advisors, well, right? Because before well, you well, have well, a good well, advisor. Yeah, you had brought this up early on because, um, like, when you hit like twelve to fifteen employees, there's this shift that goes on because you have two people working in a company. There's two relationships. You add three, now you have six, four, you have twenty-four, and it just keeps on going up from there. And what ends up happening is is that not having processes starts to hurt you now because you have people and communication issues. Um, one of the things I say quite a bit to people is, is the telephone game that you played in third grade is alive and well in your company. And it sort of rules your company if you don't have processes. 
because then the processes are verbal communications, which aren't always consistent. So it's a hundred percent. And we didn't have, we didn't have the other side. We didn't have structure. We didn't even have procedures. Right. So even if somebody broke what we had trained or policies, like I wasn't sending anybody home or firing anybody because dang, we needed that body. So that breed, that breeded a whole nother level of problems within the business because then you have, good employees seeing bad employees get away with murder and it would just continue. Yeah. Uh, well, well, I, I think it's been really valuable. Some of the things you're talking about, then we'll talk about how you fix some of these things on the other side. Just want to remind everybody, www.assuredstrategy.com backslash events event singular not plural and you can get on and look at our events coming up we have one on august 17th on productivity we have a live event in portland on september the 7th uh, with metronomics and then we have another webinar on september the 14th of how to grow your business with five proven tools we're going to take a break ryan we'll be right back on the other side this is a strategy sherpa show with ryan mcdougall from ice occasion Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Anyone can learn the keys to success from podcasts, TED Talks, and other forms of media. But what you really don't learn is the failures that lead up to that point. Join David Chavez on the Strategy Sherpa Show as he and notable business leaders have that discussion and teach you how valuable it is to learn from your failures. The Strategy Sherpa Show, Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866 472 5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. All right, um, we're back. This is Strategy Sherp Show. I'm David Chavez, and we have Ryan McDougall with us from Ice Occasions and Premium Ice, not uh, Premier Ice. Um, so uh, Premium Ice, uh, I, I got that wrong at the beginning, but we're, we're heavy into it. We're talking about processes and we talked a little bit about how we needed to develop processes and then the issue that you had brought up with us Ryan when you were talking is the lack of a sales and marketing strategy that really could have propelled the company to probably even the next level that you were at because 
by the time you sold it, you were doing fairly well. And actually you got a really good sales price and you, um, you know, you were doing really well at that time. And you just decided that this was the right time for me to get out. And then COVID happened and um, you still did your deal. Um, you had to do some earnouts to still get the same price. But um, talk a little bit more about some of the sales things that maybe you missed knowing what you know now. Yeah, so I mean, we talk a lot about that was, you know, the, the, the problem not having a, you know, formal sales channel, but, you know, just even in discussion now, I realize that at some level, we didn't have any channels, right? Like we didn't right. have policies, procedures, we didn't have documented things. And, you know, when you look at exit strategy as a planning, as a strategy, right, it, it could be 10 years out, right? But one of the things with, that that leads you to do is look inside your company and and look for the holes, right? As a you know, as a one man band or an entrepreneur, um, you know, and I've listened to, you know, your past shows and, you know, one of the previous guests said, you know, they were not college educated. Well, I wasn't college educated either, right? I, I'm an auto mechanic by trade. So at the end of the day, what do I know about a balance sheet or a profit and loss statement at the end of the day, right? So, so you learn as you go, you learn on the job. I, I use the term a lot, like, you know, we were fixing the airplane as we were flying it, right? And, as you hit turbulence and you drop the ranch into a cavity, like it, it becomes a little harder to fix the problem. So it, definitely the sales channel was one of the ones that, you know, from an income stream that, you know, you know, definitely hurt us. But when you look at the whole situation, we didn't have anything, right? Like, you know, we, we just grew from one man to, you know, one man. And then, you know, the wife came into the business at some point too. And then you bring on more and more people as opportunity or, you know, scalability comes into play. But not having any of those policies slash procedures slash anything, you know, breeds a problem, right? So when you look at the, when we looked at the exit planning strategy, which, you know, I had earlier on, I, I didn't want to just fold the tent and hope to sell the assets off and, and create, you know, create some last income as we get to our last years of, of working when you can't you what, know, physically. Which 80% of the companies in the United States end up doing? They just close the shop and close, turn off the lights and leave. And and if you ask those 80% that shut off their lights, if they're going to sell their business, they'll tell you the multiple they're going to sell it at someday. So. Right. And that's, you know, that's an interesting exercise. And it's, it, 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 it forces you to look inward, right? Like, right. I, I remember in the early years, right, you would call me up on a, you know, a weekly chat or whatever it was we had and you, you're, your opening line after yo was, are you working in your business or on your business? Right. And, you know, I had, I had read some books, I had read the e-myth and, you know, I, I had done some stuff to try and help myself, but dang, like we're not doctors, we're not lawyers. We don't know what we don't know. And that's where you have to go to have, you know, better advisors and, and, and better help at some level. And unfortunately too much times in business, you think you can't afford that. Right. And, and, and it's, you look at the cost side of it instead of in the investment side, right? And, and I think we were guilty of that a little bit too. We spent more money than we had to bring, you know, adv you, advisor in at the, at the worst time. I, I was, you know, bleeding money. We didn't have a bunch of income. Our income stream had turned off because the economy had changed. Our business, not our model hadn't changed, but the business climate had changed. And we knew coming out of the other side, we were going to have problems and that's when we wrote the check to bring, you know, to bring you in to help fix these problems coming out of the other side, because we knew we were less likely to die from a lack of income and more likely to die from too much opportunity or, you know, employees or uh, entrepreneurial self-implosion. 
you know, from, you know, from the opportunity because literally the faucet turned off, you know, we were, we were, you know, multi-million dollar business that overnight the faucet turned off. I mean, COVID brought the same thing on. Right. Um, so the lessons learned in, you know, 2008, 2009 presented itself, but, you know, having, having advisors and having somebody to bounce something off was a thing. And, and that's, you know, one of the things you taught early on, like, are you working in the business or on the business? Right. I, so, I, I, I have, I have to make a comment because, um, I, I'm, this is, I recalled it as you were talking that you actually withdrew the money from your IRA. And I remember you telling me like, like, look, if you're not the real thing, I'm withdrawing my life savings out of my IRA and I'm entrusting you to help me really change this business and get it aligned. I remember you telling me that and there was a lot of pressure on me from that too, because I knew you were uh, um, trusting in what we were doing and what we were going to go and do. And you were willing to invest in it, like you said, and not look at it as a cost because you knew what you were doing wasn't going well. So sales weren't going well, but you ended up getting the the sales started turning back on as the economy came on. What's your realization now that you of what you know and why you think sales and marketing were a mistake for you? Because do you think you could have been double the size? What is it? Well, yeah, we definitely could have grown exponentially too, right? But you know, we're you know, a little bit guilty of being entrepreneurial, fat and lazy, right? Like we got to a certain point where lifestyle exceeded what, you know, your, your, your dream was. I, I remember vividly, like when I got into this business, I was a one and a half percent owner of 23 or 24 people that, you know, we had raised money coming out of Canada, come down to Las Vegas. That part of the whole, the, the reason for the, the business to get started was a bunch of Canadians to have an ex, uh, actual tax deductible excuse to be able to travel to Las Vegas, right? So I, I don't even know if that, uh, I, I mean, I just actually seen the business plan again in my office the other day as I was cleaning some stuff up. But, you know, it's kind of crazy when you read back to that. So, you know, we, we had grown to a point where, you know, early on, I just thought, hey, if I can make enough money to pay my house off before I retire, that's, you know, that's my goal, right? And, you know, you're, you're working in your business and you kind of just own your own job. Like you don't own a business, you own your own job and you, you know, you provide yourself a good income, right? But when you, when you start to see the opportunity in front of yourself and then you, you get scared too, right? Because you, um, you think that, it, it, it's what you talked about, right? Your telephone game and your touch points, as you get larger and larger, you're out of your comfort level, right? And so when you start to get those many people and, you know, those, you know, different personalities breeds conflict and a few other things, but um, it exceeds your, you know, kind of your wildest expectation. I remember very, very early on in the, in the journey of starting this business, moved down to Las Vegas, didn't know a single person, you know, didn't have a U.S. social security number to getting the power turned on was, you know, was a, actually an accomplishment, right? Pre 9-11. Um, and I remember reporting back to, you know, the, the advisors, the shareholders that we were working with. And I said, this is going to be twice or four times as hard as we ever even had anticipated. But the opportunity is four to, you know, 10 times even larger than we actually, you know, had anticipated if we can, if we can execute, right? And, and that's the thing. And, and so you get into a position, you know, later on, we got in a position of comfortability, right? You know, you got a nice family, you have a young daughter, you want to, you know, travel or spend time and you don't want to kind of, you know, quote unquote, rock the boat, right? So 
I remember one of the exercises we did on your one-page strategic plan was, you know, where is your sandbox and what are you going to play and, you know, where do you want to take this to? And that got a little scary, right? Because, you know, you're doing a decent amount of revenue and you're making a decent amount of money, what you think. And then you look at that on a paper and think, wow, we could be doing a lot more. But with that, what, you know, what, what, at what expense, right? At what personal expense of time or stress level or whatever. And when you, you know, when you look at your sandbox, you're like, well, we, you know, we, we work in Las Vegas, Nevada, but we also, you know, we work outside, we work in the West, I guess, if you will. Right. And I remember back in the day where we, (laughs) funny story, we were doing the Super Bowl in Jacksonville, Florida. And I mean, anything that could go wrong did go wrong. I mean, there wasn't enough hotel rooms over there. They brought cruise ships over there for, you know, players and, and team personnel to stay and all those things. And we hadn't booked a hotel room. Like I remember sending my partner over there. He's like, well, where am I supposed to stay? I'm like, I don't know. Just get over there and figure it out. Right. And we put all this ice into a, into a tractor trailer loaded and sent it from Las Vegas, Nevada in, you know, February. It wasn't that warm. And I remember getting a report back one time because the, you know, the tractor trailer went, you know, down through the South Texas, whatever, you know, Louisiana and down to Florida. And I remember getting a, a, a call one day from the, the trucking company lady and said, the truck is broken down in, in New Orleans. And I said, Patty, I said, is the truck broken down or is the driver broken down? Because it's New Orleans and it's during Mardi Gras. Like, we've got a <laughs> trailer load headed for, you know, the NFL and the Super Bowl for, uh, you know, a very prominent liquor company. And like, I, you know, that's why I have no hair, David. It's those kind of things, you know, you're pulling those things out, right? So, well, 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 and I think you said it really well. Like, um, the same thing that helps an entrepreneur grow a company is sometimes the things that stops them from growing. Like you were talking about the span of control and what you can handle controlling. And that's one of the things we help business owners with is, is helping them get out, get out of that. Um, I have to be involved in every little thing because that's what makes your company really grow at first is staying involved, showing up at the Mandalay Bay when they need you there at five, uh, at 5 p.m. You show up at 4.45 and you're there promptly and you make sure that everything is going well. And and I think that a lot of entrepreneurs, they miss that. And that's one of the journeys you went through a little bit is how do I stop getting so involved in every little thing? And the processes really help with that and things like that. No, that's 100%. And that's the difference between the two companies, right? The the one right. company demanded that I be there for the wedding facility or the thing so that, you know, nobody was worried about having a problem with the wedding or the, the banquet. When that, was we the to, sculpt- that was the ice sculptures business, right? Yep. Right. I, I didn't need to be there on the premium ice side to drop a two-inch cube into somebody's glass in, in a bar in, in Bellagio, right? They didn't need that. They just needed our product to show up on the dock. So, that the yeah that that's a hundred percent correct david is like just the feeling of not having to be involved in every little thing that goes on is is, is a scary thing for entrepreneurs yeah yeah it definitely is and and, and um i i think that like, like looking at your business and we had talked about a sales and marketing effort you never really got that off the ground you um we you were doing really well and then COVID hit and um change the game hey everybody i wanted to uh, just remind you before we go on the on the next break that we do have events at assured strategy all the time we have some webinars and they're listed at www.assuredstrategy.com backslash event and we have another event and later in october we have 
a, a webinar on how to build accountability through meetings, better meeting uh, structure. Then we have uh, how to build a better uh, culture of accountability workshop. That's a live workshop in Phoenix. Um, and then we do have a scaling up workshop that we're doing in Dallas on December the 6th. So that's our next live scaling up workshop. And I just want to bring all these to your attention and uh, take a look at our website for some of these things because they're, they're valuable and they can help you. We're going to take a break, Brian. This is the Strategy Sherpa Show with Ryan McDougall with I Premium Ice. I'll say the other company this time. And we'll be back right after this. Birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Velato. Our vision at Velato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our JetShare program that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all of the, the revenue that that plane generates. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. All right, we're back with the Strategy Sherpa Show. This is David Chavez. I'm here with Ryan McDougall. Uh, he's owned a couple of different companies. Um, Ryan, one of the things I was thinking about during the break is is that I remember when you had had, had engaged us and and had us help you, um, and you told me that you had another company you really wanted to get out of the ice sculpting day-to-day -day things and because you had this other idea about ice balls and ice cubes and if you don't if you don't know this when when you grow ice you have to keep the water moving or else that it's not clear it creates a little fog in there and you are trying to figure out how to grow this ice and keep the water moving like in ice balls or ice cubes and you're testing all different types of things and and th this is the ingenuity of ryan just to share with our guest um and this is one of my favorite stories i love telling this he goes down and buys penguins with a little propeller on the end of them and then takes them apart and mounts them on a board that he sticks down 
in the freezer so he could keep the water moving on all the things because he's trying to test. This was in his uh, test phase, uh, I, I guess, when you're trying to figure out how to do something. And you finally figured out that you could just cut the ice, the large blocks, and then um, put them in a press and create the ice balls. But when you were trying different things, it was funny being involved in some of those experiments and how you were thinking about them. Do you, do you remember the penguins? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Because we had a we had a smaller cavity we we're trying to freeze stuff off of, and you know, David's right. right. We needed good water quality and circulation to you know create the clear ice, and that's the that's the secret sauce, right? That's that, that's the Colonel Sandals secret recipe. Is anybody can stick a mold in your freezer and make something you know in a shape, but to get the clarity is the difficult, right? And so yeah, we had a problem where you know we needed something small enough and. I don't remember exactly even how. I think it was actually there's a there's a little bit of a backstory to that that my wife and my mom I think had bought this little toy as a joke from an old you know kid child backstory, and I stumbled across it and I'm like, well that turns it was you know kind of like a pool toy or whatever right and and so yeah so I, I mean that's the that's the mechanic in me to try and just figure out how we you know how we do these things but. No, we've had some, I, I, in cleaning out some of the stuff that I've had over 20 years of, uh, in my offices <laughs> and, and, and warehouses, you know, I, you come across some of these failed experiences, but that's one of the things where, you know, listening to your, you know, past shows, like one of the previous guests said, you know, you sometimes you're scared to fail, but, you know, I, I recall, I think it's Zuckerberg that uses the term fail fast and learn, right? And and I think that's one of the things an entrepreneur, you're you're scared to fail, but my gosh, you got to get that thing out there, right? And and that's one of the things I see now outside of my business a little bit is even in big company, right? You're they they go and they try and do something they don't want to fail. Well, I think that's the almost the polar opposite, right? You want to get in there and start working and and understand what the failure is and then just fix it and move on, right? And so, yeah, there's there's a few failed experiments that you know got yeah. that tossed to the side definitely as you're you're trying to do these things, but you know not everything goes right the first time, so. uh uh, what was it? The, the yeah. Wright brothers, right? Like I think it was on their, you know, I think it was triple digits before their, their, you know, the thing actually took off, right? So yeah. a lot of failed experiments before we're, you know, getting on a plane. Yeah, now. yeah and, and they, they, there's always a lot of people standing around laughing at you too during those phases and thinking that you failed altogether. But entrepreneurs, that doesn't stop them. They just keep on going through the failures and to get the other side. And uh, that brings me back to like Einstein saying, um, in the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result, and also you know um 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 when he was inventing the light bulb i can't remember how many times he failed but that was what he even said it reminds me of a speech i saw john maxwell do not too long ago and those of you who are john maxwell fans like i am um he he did a speech about that this was the first time he was doing the speech and that it wasn't really going to be that good because it's his very first time and he's going through this whole speech talking about what you're talking about right now is about failing and allowing yourself to fail. But hey, we have about four minutes left. I wanted to take a little bit of time and talk about how you sold the company and what you're doing now. Yeah, so um, we had a written you know, exit strategy that truthfully probably wouldn't have been looked at even you know un unfolded until now as my daughter goes off to college this you know this fall semester that was probably about the time we you know we would probably look to exit and you know you know 
start to, you know, live your life, I guess, outside of the business side, right? Um, prior to that, we had an opportunity, which was really the A plan to exit the business and still have um, involvement after and, you know, something to do and whatnot. So COVID was, you know, I don't know, the fourth, fifth, sixth different, you know, tragedy, if you will, within, you know, my business life cycle to bring it on. And COVID in its own was its own animal, which, you know, the lessons learned from the ones prior, um, you know, the economic crash where you couldn't get credit anywhere or, or financing or anything to, you know, where the government was helping you, right? And you and I talked a lot during COVID because it actually wasn't that painful, um, you know, from a financial standpoint, but just, you know, not a lot of business going on, especially for us in the event-driven business, right? But Luckily enough, what saved a little bit of that coming out too was the the secondary business, the premium ice. Um, the event driven business wasn't going on, but still restauranting and and drinking was still going on. So that business, you know, had that right. So oh, drink, had, drinking probably increased during that time. Didn't oh, hundred percent, right? And the other thing, <laughs> truthfully, is is the uh, is that product that product or that that um, segment really got magnified during COVID, right? Because people sat at home and learned to be chefs or bartenders and all these things, right? So COVID in that fashion did an education factor for us that, you know, we couldn't have paid for, right? The, the, the financing on that would have been astronomical to teach people how to make cocktails or how to make, you know, food or, you know, the, the benefits of food and beverage and, and, and even just visiting, right? Like life changed during that, right? So we had an opportunity to exit the business with, you know, a, a, an excellent opportunity. There was, there were some caveats to it for sure, but you know, we're in Las Vegas. So we put our money on the craps table and we rolled the dice and, you know, we bet on the come a little bit there too. Right. But we knew well, we had well, good- cause you, you actually had the deal before COVID started and we were just waiting for, uh, they needed a few months to get through some initiatives they were running through their company. And then, they were going to take you uh, purchase the company, and then COVID, of course, stopped all of that. And then you you basically had to agree to you, you didn't reduce the price, which was pretty amazing to sell your business in the middle of a downturn like COVID, especially in your business. And then um, so they didn't reduce the price, but they had earnouts for you. And so you ended up getting everything you wanted because you knew that right after the economy started coming back, it would just come back with the vengeance, which it did. Yeah, we had we had full confidence in what we had built, right? And and, and that was the thing, right? We got about a we, minute left, Ryan. Just, yeah, no problem. That 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 was the pause, right? And you know the the idea was there to take their our product, our premiumized product, basically, and then execute that across retail channels across the United States or you know America, right? So. Yeah, that, that I had no lack of confidence in what we could execute to to earn back every every you know everything that we had hoped for. But um, yeah, that's so that's what we're doing now. Is I I've stayed on you know retain a position over there to take that product nationally and put that into grocery stores across America. So maybe one day you'll walk into a grocery store and you'll you'll have a. Uh, a fancy ice cube to go in your cocktail and uh that'll be that'll be part of your legacy when you created david yeah that's right um well well it's great listening to you and i think that what you were saying is that if you would have had a sales and marketing team you probably could have increased the valuation of your company a little bit maybe even sold it for a little bit more you started to realize that after you started working with this other company and so i appreciate your time today ryan um it's always good to talk to you again i we haven't talked to each other uh, very much in the last few months and so we stay in touch pretty often um 
Again, Strategy Sherpa Show, uh, get on assuredstrategy.com backslash event. Check out our events. Um, all of them are very informative and try to solve problems inside of your business. We're here to help your business. So shoot me an email, uh, give us a call if you are sort of stuck in your business and you just want, or you just want to take it to the next level and you feel like it's not happening. We're here to help you. This is the Strategy Sherpa Show with Ryan McDougall with Ice Occasions and Premium Ice. I got both of them correct. And Ryan, thank you for your time today. Thanks, David. I really enjoyed it. All right. I appreciate it. Take care, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. We hope we've given you some insight into the journey of success and how the road to success is laid with bricks of failure. Tune in next week for another inspiring episode.